This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Coming up on this episode of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, John Pike and I, Eric Renderking Fisk, talk with the guys behind the latest diesel punk role playing game, Wild Skies, and their Kickstarter campaign. Then John and I talk about diesel punk in the media, what's going on with the anachronistic community for the months of April and May, and controversy. All coming up next on episode 84 of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. Stay tuned. I am back. <clears throat> so, I am in a brand new house. Yep. That that is a it's a smart house. Do you, okay. do, you, do you know what I mean by that? It's, it's all connected and stuff. Completely. Yeah, it's it's all connected. Uh, you know, built-in Ethernet cables, Wi-Fi, everything built into the walls from the ground up. Wow. And I can't connect to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way, though? Huh. I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I've got my, well, I, I couldn't connect on iPad, which I have this great new microphone to use and headset and I'm all excited and I couldn't bring up Skype. So I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll go to my laptop and I've got the world's oldest laptop brand. And I've I got, don't think so. I don't think so. Like, no, that's you not know, true. I, it's, no, it's it, like it, Soviet surplus. Oh, and, yep. and. Yeah, and, and I had forgotten that many <laughs> moons ago, I deleted Skype off this laptop because it didn't work on it anymore. Right, right. With, with all of the updates. Isn't that so true I'm with like, everything right. else, though? Isn't that true with everything else? It's like it's, it's programmed obsolescence, whereas right. it's like you, you buy something and it's a state of the art, like the day that you buy it, three months later... Uh, yeah, three years later, it feels like three months, but three years later, it, it doesn't work to save your your butt because it's programmed obsolescence or built in obsolescence. Yeah, so so plan plan A didn't work, plan B didn't work, so I had to go to plan C, and I'm on my iPhone now uh-huh. with uh, with my headset, and I didn't know if that was going to work because I've had problems with my phone and my headset. Now it works just fine when I'm using the, the the earbuds as like a recording microphone like we are now. Right. Or when I use it with the camera, but when I use it to make a actual phone call, nothing. That's awesome. You know, it could be wor- it could <laughs> yeah. be worse. You could be just like my grandfather trying to like trying to plug in his headphone jack into his abacus. It's a computer, <laughs> right? It's a computer. When when uh, Windows forced me to update to uh windows 10 uh it killed my uh the microphone on my laptop and the camera on my laptop and i've updated drivers and everything yeah nope doesn't work that's what they want you to do they 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 want everything to not work anymore so you have to go out and you have to buy a brand new laptop and now and that used to be just a conspiracy theory now thanks to forbes and um um all those other publications now we know that that's the that's the truth whereas it's like they actually have like an internal clock that shuts makes everything run slower after two or three years 
Oh yeah, so. and like they they had the thing with Apple, how it was saying like, oh yeah, well uh, the it, we did that to protect battery life and blah blah blah. I was like, no, you didn't. Well, that's okay. <laughs> some people will buy that lie. I won't. Some some people will. I won't. Exactly. Right. Well, if that's all the time that we have for tonight, folks, join us again next time. <laughs> this has been Tech Griping. <laughs> Tune in next time when we hear Eric's mom say, Shut that computer off and go to bed. If you don't stop that, you're going to go blind. So. That, that's hysterical. That's, a, that's, that's hysterical. Yeah, so. yeah, it is. You can't do that thing with that thing. <laughs> By the way, this would be a bad time um, to mention this. Uh, we already started recording and we're broadcasting, so. Oh, even better. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're only recording, so. Yeah, but we, we, we play it a little bit fast and loose here, guys. So, um, so Br Brandon, I've met you and interviewed you on a uh, previous episode. We uh, met at Imaginarium. Yes, that's right. That's right. But uh, who, who is your partner in crime with you tonight? I will let him introduce himself. My name is Matthew Orr, and uh, I, yes, am Brandon's partner in crime uh, for wedding games. Uh, I don't know, is there anything uh, specific that you'd like to, to know additionally about me? Well, no, I, I, that, I got, that's no, pretty much it. No, no. Uh, here's here's a question for you. When we ask all of our... our what we need to know, first and foremost, how, when did you know that you were a diesel punk? Like, when, when was the first moment that you knew that there was something right about you? <laughs> something right. I love it. <laughs> I have a really good answer for this. So, last year, when you recorded Brandon, and I listened to that episode... And I heard people is like basically everything from the 20s to the 50s is what you guys talk about. Retrofuturism of the 20s to the 50s. That is when I realized that I could be that that, that is that is exactly right in my wheel. You know, I really like the Indiana Jones stuff like Dark City is a great, great movie that totally is underappreciated. Um, you know, the, the whole inspirations for this about Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow being on inspiration for the game that we did. Like, I, I love the the noir the books. Like, I've read um, a pile of Dashiell Hammett stuff. So, like, you add all that up, and it's like, oh, all of that counts as diesel punk? Yeah. Retrofuturism, all of that? Great. I, I guess I'm diesel punk then. <laughs> exactly. And, and so it's been very recent that I've been able to acquire that label. That's awesome. You knew, but you just didn't know. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's right. I wouldn't have put that label. Well, you became, like yeah, you became what you already were. That's the like that's the amazing thing. For what I was into already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that the same way it is with everybody else though? It's like when you when you figure it out, it's like when you finally hear the word diesel punk and then you put it together what it what diesel punk actually means and you find oh, yeah. out there's more people like, out there like you. It's like a homecoming. Like I knew what steampunk was and then like uh, diesel punk. I was like, oh, absolutely. I like, started doing like research and looking for concept art yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Diesel punk was great. And then like, just recently, I was like, uh, I heard about Adam punk, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm into that too. Right. I'm like, I dig it all. This is good. Well, Johnny has a theory. Well, not a theory. It's more like a fact. What Adam <laughs> yeah, punk really is? Yeah, it's a belief. What is Adam punk, John Pika? Well, <laughs> in, in in my reality, Adam Punk is the is the bookend, one of the bookends of Diesel Punk. 
I do not believe Adam Punk is a separate genre. I believe it is a different flavor of the diesel punk genre. And there's a that. lot of yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of things that I can point to on that. Um, basically, I regard it the same way that uh, other people in the community regard deco punk. Exactly. You know, it's it's the two bookends of the era, basically. I could see that definitely. The next question that we have for all of our guests before we put them through the gauntlet. Um, the gauntlet. Yeah, the <laughs> gauntlet. Um, what, is your, what is your one defining example of diesel punk? Like, what's, what is the, for you, what is the quintessential diesel punk movie? For, for me, and I told this to John when, when I was interviewed the first time, uh, it, it's Sky Captain and the Roll of Tomorrow. Like, I know that I could, it, it's, it's easily accessible. I could put that on in front of uh in front of anybody and i could say like you know watch the the hour and you know 38 minutes or whatever of this film and you're gonna understand what diesel punk is like there you go you got ray guns and a, a p-51 that turns into a submarine great what's not to like well it's a p-40 i think but whatever we know what you meant yeah all right it's like you you shut your mouth brain and get out of here <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we do consider that to be the quintessential diesel punk movie. And, uh, you know, if you want to, <clears throat> if you need to hand someone an example and say, this is diesel punk, that, that's the movie to do it. And uh, you just watch that and you understand everything there is to right. really understand about the genre. Um, and, you know, Eric, yeah. not to sidetrack the discussion, Always. but I'm going to anyway. You do it anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, this this week I published a solo episode talking about diesel punk tv right because we so often refer to diesel punk examples in in movie terms that seems to be like the the easiest go-to for everyone in the community and we we mention tv shows on the on the podcast but we don't really go into a lot of depth no on diesel punk tv so this is kind of my uh my uh shameless promotion of uh the last episode that I just published yesterday, go listen to it. It's Diesel Punk TV. I uh, go through what I think are the top five kind of best Diesel Punk television shows and a couple of honorable mentions. Right. So with all that said, um, I got I got another movie for you. Go for it. You were talking about what is your quintessential quintessentials here. Uh, I'm going uh, to, I think, I'm going to do the the classic like I would would mention this except for this thing. So like Rocketeer is oh, probably oh, yeah. the number one is 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 up there. It's contender. So good. It's so bad. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the other, but the one that I want to really mention is uh, Miyazaki's uh, Nausicaa because you've got the airplanes. Yeah. You've got. What? Flintlock rifles. You've got uh, you've like a whole mix of things, but the definitely the the airplane side of it, and the uh, uh, Nasuka herself and her um, "I do not care what you say, I'm going to do my own way" is uh, definitely an attitude that fits in with that genre. So, so you have just uh, mentioned something I'm not familiar with. Th this is an anime. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's an anime and a manga both. The anime covers probably maybe the first quarter of what the manga covers. But uh, Heo Miyazaki, I'm sure you've heard that name. He's done Spirited Away. He did The Wind Rises, but recently 
Absolutely. Um, some of his other stuff is uh, Totoro. Uh, so he's a, he's a big person in the, the industry, but um, Nausicaa is set as sort of like a, a future world, post-apocalyptic. There's this giant forest of fungus called the Sea of Corruption, which is encroaching on the last remnants of human civilization. Um, you've got this The Sea of Corruption. Yup. It's a giant, I, I, fu- giant fungus. For a you know what? Size fungus. That needs to be a band name. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it's been used. It's pretty good. Pretty good. The the one thing that makes it why I say that Diesel Punk comes in though is the uh, one of the things about the setting is the technology level that the people are at. They can't build internal combustion engines, but they're buried in the ruins of the civilization that came before them. So they, there's these mines that excavate the old cities to pull out the internal combustion engines so that they can put them in their power generation, their farming equipment, and their airplanes uh, of the modern of, that they they can build. You know, they can build wings. They just couldn't build engines, so they excavate the engines um it's it's a really cool setting with a lot of really neat stuff in it um i won't go into the whole like epic story of the what the actual story is about other than that nausicaa is a princess and she rules one of these tiny feudal kingdoms and she gets caught up in a in a war between two of the bigger kingdoms uh but you know she does it her own way she is there to her her goals are bigger than anyone else's battle plan um uh, it's well i guess i i really I, cool stuff with the airplanes yeah, well, and I just did a quick consultation with the Oracle of Google, and um, I'm looking at some of the artwork from the manga, mm. and man, man, it's uh, some really super ultra-detailed, very, yeah. very complicated artwork. Yeah. It, uh, wow. A lot it's of the no artwork is, yeah. To anyone, it's no secret to anyone who likes Miyazaki that he had a love affair with so something like Nausicaa is where he got a little bit of his... his got to draw whatever he wanted all the fantasy airplanes you can shake a stick at yeah well that's pretty cool i've learned something new today that's the whole point of the podcast john <laughs> come on now that's why we yeah, do this yeah <laughs> teach john new stuff exactly i love it i love it love it love it so eric do you have any other pressing questions for our guests before we get into I the think purpose cool. of their visit i think they're cool johnny i think we can hang with these guys yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well <clears throat> Brandon and I met at uh, Imaginarium uh, last fall, and he was he was uh, he, he was debuting or, or previewing the Wild Skies role playing game. Yeah, and one of my yeah, and and one of my uh, henchmen had connected with him in the game room and had seen what he had and said, "Hey, you need to come be on the podcast and and." So he brought him over, introduced me to to Brandon, and Brandon, you know, had the the book for the game, and you know, we we're flipping through it during the podcast, and the first thing that that I fell in love with, and I, I knew that you know this was a super cool project, was anamorphic animals in World War II uniforms, <laughs> and anytime you have anamorphic animals in World War II uniforms, it's it's a win, hands down done it's a go <laughs> it sort of sounds yeah. like if somebody took animal farm in 1984 and put it in a blender and then george Orwell said a little more a little more oh yeah. perfect okay right there right, that's, mix it that, up and there you go there you go nice nice what, what, what's really funny is some of my favorite diesel punk properties are anamorphic animals yeah um 
you know the 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 board games uh, Niet and Unexploded Cow, um, the uh, the comic series Wild's End, and uh, so Wild Skies just completely spoke to me, and uh, we had a great conversation flipping through it and um, and you know talking about the artwork and then and then Brandon, you guys are doing uh, uh, is it a new volume or is it an expansion? Tell us about. The new project for Wild Skies. So uh, right now uh, on Kickstarter, we have Wild Skies Liberating Strife, which is the America book. Um, It's concurrent with the Europa Tempest, but we're just expanding the game world. Um, So players can play American characters. We have new animals, new careers. Go into detail about uh, what the American government looks like and what's going on over there. Um, and uh, just a little bit of detail, America, uh, because they didn't really dive into World War I, uh, the Great Depression didn't happen, the era of trust-busting didn't happen, and so you just have uh, pretty much this massive corporation called the Great Trust, or the Public Trust, um, that really uh, has its tendrils in all facets of um, American industry. Uh, so to the point where they pretty much control about 90% of uh, all um, all commerce and trade in America. And, you know, there are smaller companies or there are, are uh, uh, groups that uh, don't necessarily buy into that version of the American dream. And so they are trying to do their own thing. But the company tries to uh, do the, the philanthropic thing and support the workers that uh, support the company. So... Uh, you have a lot of loyalty, which is earned that way, but then you have a lot of people that are just going through the motions and they're just a cog in the wheel. Uh, you have higher um, levels of these uh, like scientific capitalists who are trying to either uh, uh, use the, the leverage of the company in order to make the world a better place, but also on the other side of that coin, you have people who are trying to uh, use the same uh, machinations of the corporation to... Uh, uh, meet their own ends, um, and whatever that that may be uh, is can be left up to the players, uh, or um, it can be other avenues of adventure throughout the game. Um, one of the cool things that we that we've done, and you can kind of see it from the art that's included on the Kickstarter, is um, America uses like, through through the um, the exploitation of um, the the Edison and Tesla uh, the the fictional like Edison and Tesla. Um, uh, arguments and, and, and battle of the currents, so to speak. Uh, America uses voltaic energy for like all, all of its its high technology. Um, they use it to defend the their nation. They use it in uh, in their airplanes. They use it in um, in some of their hand weapons. And so you have good old fashioned ray guns and and lightning blasters and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. It it sounds like a like a dream come true if anything if, if you haven't if you haven't seen the the cover art like when i i, I had seen the pencils but we uh, had sent it to our digital painter and um when he sent it back i was in my kitchen and i opened up the art file um it, uh, just on my phone and i busted out laughing and my wife was like what's going on and so i showed her the art she was like wow that's really amazing uh so it's on the kickstarter page if you have an opportunity to go take a look at it we have the full the, the full cover art and it's it, it, it's stunning yeah and it uh it is really fantastic now you 
You mentioned something that's interesting. The uh, the energy that they use, wh- what did you call it? Voltaic energy. Voltaic so, energy. Yeah. So really they're just shooting lightning at people. Gotcha. So, oh, I get it. So, like Voltan, Vol- Vulcan, yeah. vo- Voltaic. Okay, I got it. So um, what, what's interesting about that, so – you know, we've had this discussion over the past several years, and when we started doing this about six years ago, it was generally accepted in the diesel punk community that, you know, like like our uh, cousin steampunk, that the reason it was diesel punk was because it was based off the the combustion engine technology, right. and and over the last several years, that has really. Um, that's really evolved, and now when we think about diesel punk and we talk about diesel punk, it's really more from the aesthetic standpoint than the technology standpoint. So a lot of times we have this what I would consider maybe out of era diesel punk, where yeah. you know it's it's diesel punk. It has the aesthetics of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and into the 50s, but it's either set in the future or set in a different time period. And we don't talk a whole lot about the technology being, you know, out of the diesel era. But this is a great example of that where, you know, style and aesthetics kind of lock in with this time period. But the technology is different. It's that alternative technology, that future tech that really makes it that science fiction and fantasy Retrofuturism. So one of the things that uh, that really caused us to go down this path was uh, Nikola Tesla had uh, he had claimed that he was able to uh, provide limitless electricity to whomever wanted it by pulling electricity from directly from the ionosphere of Earth, and uh, you know this wasn't necessarily. Uh, uh, th- th- this wasn't verified. This wasn't concrete or anything. But it was an idea that he claimed to have had, and um, th- so that's kind of what we're playing with here. Is that that's what America does? It says, okay, well, I mean, you work for the company, you get free electricity. That's not a problem, and they use that to power their ships and to do everything. And that th- so, period-wise, it's it does kind of fall within that that time frame, and it's uh, just taking it to that that next level using the progression of these capitalists that would potentially be able to uh, exploit that resource. Why would they not? Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Now, did did I see, and maybe I don't remember this from uh, Imaginarium, but I don't remember there being, um, you know, necessarily a game board with the, the game, but did I see that that is part of this new campaign? Or am I imagining that? I... That might be a, a, a figment of your imagination. Okay. Uh, okay. This is a traditional tabletop role-playing game, so the only the only piece that you would be having, other than the book, and you know you'll you'll have a book that tells you the rules, gives you the setting information. You've got a character sheet that tells you what your specific character is doing, and there'll be some dice um, that you have to roll to determine your success or failure. Um, but there's no game board. Uh, we don't have. A um, some role playing games you have to use like a grid map to mark your character's position relative to each other. We don't. You, yeah. you can certainly play that way, but it's not called for by the rules. Um, so you may have seen the image on the Kickstarter of some dice on a table, but that's just the dice. That that must have been it. 
and we did <clears throat> we did custom we did custom dice for this campaign yeah. that are are lightning dice since they use the voltaic energy we had those custom designed and this is really the only time you can get them is through this kickstarter and if you see us at some conventions but um it's one through six lightning bolts for the one through six sides of the dice yeah yeah i'm i'm gonna contribute to the kickstarter just to get those dice because <laughs> as well, a magician awesome. as a magician that does dice tricks i got an idea to use those oh even better all right can't wait to see that so, yeah, so, yeah. so the next question, or the first question, I think that a lot of people would be interested in knowing the answer to is, is what was the inspiration for this? Did you guys play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and thought to yourselves, hey, this is something we, we, we got to do? Uh, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, you mentioned the blender earlier. I love that analogy. Like Dungeons and Dragons is definitely something that goes in the blender when we make a, when we're doing this. Um, but some of the other games that we've played uh, from Palladi- are from Palladium Books. So Rips and Splicers are two games there. That's the games that we've played a lot. Uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was mm-hmm. the very first role-playing game I ever played in sixth grade. Yep. Also uh, from Palladium. And it's also pl- from Palladium Books. And um, at one point, they were going to come out with a second edition of that rule book, And uh, it was... Um, and uh, they weren't able to acquire the license, or I forgot the, the details and the nitty-gritty behind it, but they pretty much had written the book, and it came out under the, the imprint After the Bomb, second edition. Yep. And uh, that was one of those games that we said, all right, well, we want to play that, but we don't want to play it in that future setting. So we played After the Bomb in our setting, and that was the very, very, very first session of what I guess could be considered what Wild Skies is Wow, so kind of kind of kit bashing your own role playing game. Well, yeah, we said, well, this is the game we want to play, and there's nothing out there that does it, and so let's do it. And so we did. That's very, very cool. Very cool. Well, what do you um, what do you want our listeners specifically to know about Wild Skies, and in particular this Kickstarter? Uh, well, I, I'm gonna uh, let Matt uh, tag onto the tail end of this, but um, the two things that I really want people to know is that one in wild skies we really wanted to emphasize um, the fact that you are playing as a group everyone at the table is telling the same story and whether you're the game master whether you're a player we want you to be able to one play the character you want to play and Two, tell the story that everyone is telling very episodic almost like you're you're picking up a uh, an episode of uh, an 80s Saturday morning cartoon. That's what you want to do. And then the next session, you can do something else. But even in the mechanics, we reward you for playing in character. We allow the other players around the table to vote who was the MVP of a session. So it emphasizes really playing in character, playing together to the enjoyment of everybody. So that's number one. Number two, uh, about the Kickstarter itself, uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows that if you missed out on the first Kickstarter, you can definitely pick up either a soft cover or a hard cover of the original game, uh, the original uh, core rulebook, Wild Skies Europa Tempest, in addition to Wild Skies Liberating Strife. Even if you want to uh, uh, pick up just that core book and Liberating Strife, great. Uh, you can also pick up Liberating Strife individually. Or there's even tiers where you can pick up everything that we've made for the game thus far, including two adventures and five additional factions. Just it's we we did a hodgepodge. You can make whatever you want. That that's really cool. So <clears throat> the one thing I guess we didn't really address is could someone pick up the new. 
uh, Wild Skies campaign and play it without the the, the first core book? Uh, no, the, you need the you need the. We will not be reprinting the full rule set in the in this new this new book. You will still need the main book, uh, the first one, to get the the rules. The 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 second one will have some variations on it, it like part of all the character creation stuff and the actual skill lists and the, the the descriptions of how combat works. All of that is in Wild Skies Europa Tempest. All this second book is in it's going to be a smaller book, which will have specifically the setting information for the America setting and will have the, the America specific parts of character creation. So we'll have different careers, some new animals that are from North America instead of European animals, um, and which you can it, it'll obviously be compatible. You'll but you it, I guess it's not you need both pieces to play the whole thing. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, got it. So sometimes, you know, you will get a like I do a lot of board games. And so yep. sometimes they'll do um, expansions where you can actually play the game, the full game, just with the expansion, yeah. not even having bought the core, uh, the core game. One of the things that we kind of wanted to avoid because we've seen other companies do this, and uh, we uh, when we approached this, we said we want to make a game that we want to play as players that we would play, uh, and we wanted to um, listen to the gaming community about how they want to see things published. I've seen multiple companies which would uh, constantly reprint rules over and over and over again to just pretty much increase page count um, and sometimes to make the rules uh, more accessible. But you look at something like um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons now uh, and uh, some of these other widely popular game lines, they say, this is the core book, this is what you need to play, this is supplemental material. We would rather use that page count to give you additional player options than tell you rules you already know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to think of it because, like, the when you're sitting at a table with four or five other people, only one person really needs to have a copy of the full rules, whoever's going to be the one who's actually adjudicating the game. The other people can just pick up the supplements and, you know, if you want to be... If you're going to play an American character, well, here's the America book. And someday, knock on wood, we'd love to have, you know, here's the Africa supplement or the South America <laughs> supplement. And, you know, that... You can play those characters and those animal types from those places, but you would still only need one. You would only need to have one copy of the full rule of the table. All right, excellent, excellent. So here's my suggestion for the next country or continent: you got to do Australia. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything's going to try to kill you. Yeah, well, and have have like a uh, a a Miss Fisher inspired, you know kangaroo character i don't know well have you ever so, seen miss fisher's murder mysteries yeah yeah and one of the things that that we really like and, and we actually mentioned australia as part of the uh, in, in europa tempest as uh in uh, part of the uh the hegemony or the mm. effectively the british empire but uh, one of the things that we uh, are, are are looking to do in our expansions uh, is really kind of flesh out the world, and we're going to get to a point where it's like, if we need to, we can dive into some other stuff, but we'd like to get to a point where we say, all right, there it is, there's the world, and now we can focus on either um, on, on careers or mercenary groups or whatever, but like, say, there's the world. The world is established at that point. Um, but we've, we've talked about Australia, we've talked about uh, the Far East, we've talked about, as Matt said, Africa and South America, 
and uh, we've talked about what what's happening under the oceans. I mean, you have animal people. We have to have cool, uh, you know, shark men who are you know boarding uh, you know merchant vessels and things. That's awesome. Why would you Why would you not want to do that? So, we've we've talked about uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things, and I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see some really cool things coming out of uh, our shop. Very, very, very cool. I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, see the future of the his. Tell our listeners how they get to the Kickstarter campaign. You can go uh, go to Kickstarter, and uh, you can use the search bar they have at the top uh, and just look up uh, Wild Skies, or you can look up Liberating Strife, and it's going to uh, bring up our page. Um, the, the name of it is Wild Skies Liberating Strife. Uh, you can also uh, look at Wet Ink Games on Facebook. And uh, we have dozens of posts about it uh, from uh, getting ready for the launch, the actual Kickstarter launch, and uh, uh, sharing of our updates and our promotional things. So um, it's right there on the Wet Ink Facebook page. But the easiest way, just go to Kickstarter, look up Liberating Strife, and it's right there. Very, very cool. Very cool. Eric, you have uh, any other questions for our guests before we let them go? No, I think it's all it's all phenomenal. I think, I mean, it's, it's exactly right up all of our alleys this is something that um it's i i hate to sound like a cliche but it sounds like it's fun for the whole family i know that sounds cliched but (laughs) well i told i told brandon it's so diesel punk it hurts right (laughs) and it may be the quintessential diesel punk role-playing game yeah it really does it really does honestly sound like that it certainly does we'll take it the one of the things that we uh, that we really have had a lot of fun with is giving it that that feel, uh, giving some uh, guidance to our artists and say uh, and saying, hey, these are some of the ideas that we have. I want to see you realize that on a page. I'm not an artist. I just want to see it. Um, and our uh, our artist Brian Manning has done some amazing work on the schematics that you see in the. Um, uh, in the book of the different uh, the different airplanes, he did it with uh, Europa Tempest with all of the different airplanes and airships, giving them giving them all a unique feel and a flavor. And for uh, Liberating Strife, um, we really wanted to latch on to that um, that kind of like Art Deco styling. So uh, you'll look at some of the cover art, and you'll see that the um, the airplanes are like the eagles from the the, the Chrysler building, and uh, it's so we, we gave that to to Chuck Walton who did that for the uh, the cover, and we gave it to Brian Manning for the interior and said, hey, can you do this for some of the other fighters? And some of the schematics and stuff that he started to do are just amazing. Um, it, it it completely nailed exactly what we were looking to do. And uh, I think it, a lot of the uh, the backers are going to be very very pleased with what they see when they open this book. Yeah, I was uh, I was blown away by the first one and uh, the uh, the beautiful illustrations. The artwork was just fantastic, and you guys have done a great job of creating a very immersive diesel punk world. And uh, we uh, we welcome you to the creator community. You are one of the the. the <laughs> You're the guys that are helping create the genre. So uh, how's that for uh, a heavy weight on your shoulders? Hey, you know what? <laughs> That's a responsibility that, that, that we'll take. We have – this definitely isn't the uh, the only thing in that period that we have uh, uh, in the pipe. But uh, we'll be talking about that hopefully in a future 
future podcast. Yeah, let's yeah, not, let's not spoil that. Let's not spoil what else you guys are working on until later. Oh yeah, because you, you've given not. us a lot to. Uh, so, by the way, um, John, do we do we have some time to um, just uh, do some more uh, diesel punk um, chit chat to sort of fill out the rest of the hour? Yeah, yeah, you and I. I've got a couple of topics to bring up. Okay, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to keep our our guests longer than uh, they needed. So thank you guys for joining us, and um, we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. We'll watch the uh, Kickstarter. We'll post links on the uh, Facebook page and our uh, blogs and websites and all that stuff, and really gin up some uh, some uh, business for you. What is the deadline for the Kickstarter? Uh, it ends at the uh, the end of April, so I think it's technically May first is the the deadline. Um, so you have the, the the rest of the month to to follow it. Right now, we're at I think fifty two or fifty three percent funded, um, and you know right now we'll, uh, we're really keeping an eye on that. Uh, the last forty eight hours, we tend to see a surge, but you know as a creator, it's always comfortable to uh, to see people get interested in and uh, back it early. Um, but also, uh, we have a lot of excellent, excellent freelancers who are uh, slated for some of these stretch goals to uh, to add additional uh, factions and resistance groups. And I'm really hoping that uh, the community gets out there and supports us so we can uh, uh, see what they have to, to bring to the table. That, that really does uh, sound. Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, outstanding. Well, uh, you know, thank you for having us. Uh, yes, thank you. This is this yeah, has been well, great. It's our pleasure, and uh, we'll have you back when uh, you guys unveil the next big plans. Oh, absolutely. We'll be in touch. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and have a great night. All right. Thank you guys so much. Stay in touch, guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was the uh, guys from Wet Ink Games talking about Wild Skies and uh, the new Kickstarter campaign. That sounds phenomenal i just love the artwork i just love the artwork i mean it's it's exactly what i had said earlier it's the perfect marriage between george orwell's animal farm and and 1984 to a very large extent so well so i just sent you a link okay uh take a look at that while i'm while i'm setting this up so um what what made me think about this was you know talking about their game wild skies is anamorphic animals in uh you know airplanes and airships and using future technology and uh you know the the lightning guns and whatnot and uh you know it, it led me to over to unexploded cow the board game yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh the uh the, the game yet which is anamorphic animals and there was a great comic series um out by uh, i want to say image called wild's end which was the same kind of concept except it was these anamorphic animals set in the uh war of the worlds yeah story yeah um in the in the 20s so very cool but it i i couldn't remember the name of this this web comic that i got turned on to a couple of years ago right and so while we were doing that interview i was i was searching 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 to find Lackadaisy, and the uh, the website is Lackadaisy Cats. Yes, and you know if if Wild Skies is uh, anamorphic diesel punk animals, Lackadaisy Cats is anamorphic deco punk animals, and this web series 
is everything I love about the decopunk version of diesel punk. It's it's the jazz age, it's prohibition, it's nightclubs and speakeasies, and they've cast some of the uh, famous archetype characters of history as these uh, anamorphic cats. And the artwork is beautiful. It is just gorgeous. And the website uh, is fantastic. Tracy Butler does it. And um, since the last time I've been here, she's updated it. She's on Patreon. She's connected on Facebook and Twitter and, and Tumblr and all of that. We need to connect with her. We really do. Are, are you just, looking at this? I was I was looking at Lax Daisies and um, the, the artwork is, is just beautiful. It's sort of funny, amazing how we can be having a conversation about just just about anything and the thing is is that they're they're jogging your mind to uh back to lackadaisies and the thing is is that well they they were dragging uh my mind back to uh i don't know if you remember i think it was back in 19 oh 1994 um uh the version no 1995 richard the third by ian mckellen and he did a diesel punk version of Shakespeare's play um yeah and the thing is is that and I was just thinking about that and and I I, I wanted to introduce that to the to the topic where this is like you know the perfect blending of one thing meets something else um in this case you know the thing is is that anamorphic animals in a World War II setting um it sounds it sounds terrifying and, and adorable at the same time and the thing is that it was just like, you got to go out and you got to support that because it's right up our alley. And and the thing is, is I'm going to get a copy for my son and um, who's into gaming and he's into the magic cards. And then I was thinking about, for some reason, I was thinking about Richard III. And the thing is that it was just like, I have not seen that in a while. And I thought it would be a great idea for you and I to have a movie night where we would see that. We would sit down and we would watch it. You on your end, my me on my end. We'd come back one night. We'd 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 talk about it. And the thing is, is that you cannot, you can't buy it on Amazon. All the discs are sold out. You can buy them. I know. I, I've been trying to get a hold of that for about three years. Yeah. Because Larry, Larry Amiet first turned me on to it. Yeah. Because I haven't seen it. I've right. never seen it. I, I've only seen you know what he sent me and clips and and images and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I love, I absolutely love Shakespeare. Yeah, of course you do. And I, I love Shakespeare even more right. when it's done anachronistically, yes. but with the original language. Yep. Because I, I think, I think, you know, doing that anachronistic version, even with the original language, adds social context exactly. that helps you understand what's going on, even if you don't fully understand the the text and the dialogue and um so so richard the third has been on the top of my list right and you can't get it i just found it for it's, you and i just sent you a link oh <gasps> you did i did unbelievable you can stream it you can watch it this is not a commercial it's on voodoo and um i just okay. and it's actually going to be in the show page and this is something that I wanted to harp on and I wanted to talk to you about this for this is an example of something that I had said earlier about the notion that diesel punk has had uh, eras and periods and 
um, variations and themes. And the thing is, is that back in 1994, this was a huge thing. I remember this was a very, very big, huge, the huge deal. And when it came out in 1994, I actually had to go to a college campus to see it. Um, it was actually playing in another college campus across town from where I was going. It was actually in a rival school. Um, and I was surprised at how packed it was. And the thing is that it was just like, you got to be careful because if when you're watching this after you're done, you will probably catch yourself talking in, in Shakespearean, um, uh, not language, but uh, tonalities. Or it just makes you want to talk better. But I mean, here's the here's the thing. Whereas um, there was a period of of time where there were a lot of people who were doing Shakespeare um, in either the you know the fascist World War II era or the Prohibition, because somebody had done a um, I think it was a let's see much it wasn't yeah it was much ado about nothing and it was Kenneth Branagh had done a a, a a series of films of Shakespeare plays set in that decade or in that in that era and the thing is is that for you and I this is a conversation for us to have as always is that diesel punk and I have to make a very resounding well yeah of course it's diesel punk because I because we say it is um. Uh, but this, well, what, what do you think? Well, well, uh, be, beyond that, you're, you're right. I mean, it was it was, uh, you know, a, a trend. And um, I, I know why Richard the third was uh, so hard for you to see when it came out was because it was overshadowed by Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which was phenomenal, yeah. by the way, um, but uh, set in modern L.A., but, uh, you, you know, the, the first guy to do this, this anachronistic interpretation of Shakespeare, is one of my diesel punk heroes. And he caught absolute hell for it from, from Shakespearean scholars to theater critics. And I'm talking about Orson Welles, yep. Julius Caesar. Um, he said it in fascist Germany. Yes. And... Um, Man, it was a smash hit. Yeah, but he took a lot of heat for it, and uh, that that was kind of the first, you know, volley. And it happened in the diesel era. Go figure, right? Yeah. And um, and now we've gotten some of these great works, like you know, uh, McClellan's Henry the Third and, and Kenneth Branagh's work. Yep. There's one. There's one. Um, actually, it's. Uh, Kenneth Branagh directed it, and it was uh, Henry V. Yes. He directed it and starred in it, and Derek Jacoby is the narrator in it. Now, he did not set it out of period. He set it in period, but the narrator, played by Derek Jacoby, is in diesel-era attire, um, wearing this beautiful, I want to say Hugo Boss style overcoat. Yeah, you know the broad, the broad collar and and the the double breasted and uh, just you know one of those outfits that you're like, oh, I, I have to own that coat. Yeah, um, and and you know that that was a trend. And dude, I'm I'm all into this idea. Yeah, we we can do it. We can do a diesel punk version of of riff tracks. Yeah. 
I don't know if I like it. I, those, we, those, those silences are always weird. I think that because the thing is, is that I think that there's two things to think about because here's something that I, I put off owning a copy of this movie. I, I put it off. I thought it was I thought it was always going to be there. I thought that somehow, some way, the movie was always going to be there and I was going to be able to find it. Only to find out that it was just like it's no longer in production. Is you it's it's very hard to find. And it it actually took me a little digging to actually find that there is an online service provider. You can stream it. Um, you, you can you can actually own a digital copy of it, but you can't go out and buy it. And this is the thing that like really sort of like it's a problem that we have as diesel punks and anachronistic people. Because the thing is, is that when that moment is gone, it's gone. I should have grabbed a copy when I had the chance. Um, now, have you had that experience where you have said, uh, you know what, I'll find it later when the mood strikes me? Yeah, yeah. And um, I always kick myself later on um the the best example of that is uh the recent the recent release of the shadow the the alec baldwin movie on, on blu-ray right i you know i was like i didn't run out and get it i was like i got plenty of time and they released that in such limited quantities right I, you can't you can't hardly find it no and I, i'm just like why didn't i grab it when i had a chance Cause, yeah. Cause so, we, yeah. Let me. Th- I feel yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually hammering this out right now. The shadow. I'm actually a slow typer tonight. And the thing is, out you, you can actually, uh, you could actually stream it. You could actually watch it. I think the shadow. Well, I have it on. I have it on DVD, so yeah. I can pop it in any time. But you know, when when Dick Tracy came out on Blu-ray, right. This was a this was a movie that I rushed out to buy on Blu-ray because I knew that it was going to be a completely different experience on Blu-ray, and and it was. Th- right. This is a movie that was made to be seen on Blu-ray, and you know there there are a lot of people that are like, well, I can't really tell the difference. Well, with the right movie, you can tell the difference. Sure, sure. You know, Bl- Blade Runner twenty forty nine is going to be one of those movies. Right. Where you'll be able to tell the difference between the, the high def Blu-ray or the 4K version versus the, the standard DVD version. But when when The Shadow came out on Blu-ray, I, I was like, oh, this is another one of those movies that you, you really have to see in high def. Yes. Because of the colors and the textures and the sets and, and whatnot. And they I believe, I want to say they did a little... Lucasian cleanup on a couple of the special effects. Right. Yes. With especially with the knife, there were some weird uh, animations with the knife. It was you know this that was back in the early days of CGI, and it was like they they did CGI over a Harryhausen uh, effect. Yep. And um, I, I don't know, it looked weird in the original cut, but I was like, on Blu-ray, if they did some tweaks to this, this could really be a pretty pretty impressive movie. Um, but I, I passed on it, and I, I haven't gotten it. But, um, I, you know, I kick myself for that all the time. So now, when I see something, and if I have the means, I don't let it pass by. By the way, 
the the one I'm really looking for right now, and I don't even know if it's been released on Blu-ray, is uh, the Rocketeer. No, uh, you know what? As a matter of fact, you know, there's there's an easy way to find out. Okay. Let us journey to the mountain and consult the Oracle of Google. I'm looking at it right now, and of course. Oh well, hey, listen, you get you get you get, you can get yourself a copy of Flight of the Navigator. Um, <laughs> Because the thing is, is that, and the thing is, is that here's the thing. And I'm looking at it right now, and it was just like, how hard is it just to say, "Come on, Blu-ray"? Why do they have to make it so hard? Um, here's here's the thing, and the and um, uh, the whole thing about you know whether or not it's so bad, it's good, kind of a thing. Um, I don't. I actually think that the Rocketeer was probably one of the. Uh, yeah, no, you can. It's uh, there's only four copies left in stock. It'll probably be gone by the time this 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 uh, this airs. Um, we have it. We have it on 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 Blu-ray, and uh, because of the film stock, the Kodachrome, I think, or the the uh, the Fuji film, it definitely has that born on 1989 feel to it or 1991 feel to it. Um. And it what and the thing is, I mean, I, I I mean, I love the movie. I I honestly do. I it's one of those movies where it's like I can I it's it's a classic in the sense that you have to see it at least once a year. Um, I completely agree. And yeah, I wasn't going to call our guests out on on that comment, but <laughs> I think it's so good that it's good. I think that it should have been bigger than it was. I think it's one of those movies. Whereas um, I remember, I think that they tried to hype the hell out of it um, with all the all, all the McDonald's tie-in. Maybe I don't know, or maybe it didn't get it, um, a tie-in. Or um, but the thing is, is that there was there was something missing in the in in the marketing of it. And I'm not. It's one of those things where it was just like, I mean, it's not as good as Writers of the Lost Ark. But it was one of those movies where it's like you were thinking, you know, why isn't this a bigger hit? How come how come parents aren't aren't dragging their kids to see this, or how come kids aren't dragging their parents to see this? It's one of those things. Well, you know, because you know that came out at a time when the superhero genre movies were being interpreted or informed by Tim Burton's Batman, right? And so that was kind of the, the, the standard. And when you have something like the Rocketeer that is marketed to that demographic and to that, you know, to that, that uh, consumer, but it really feels more like Indiana Jones. Right. Th- there's this, this, this disparity of expectation and delivery. And I was one of those people. When, when I saw the movie the first time, I was disappointed in it, yeah, because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be from the from the trailers and the commercials, and um, you know, I just I wasn't expecting a hero's journey story. I I wasn't expecting you know Cliff Secord to have to become the hero that he already was, and um, so it took me a long time, and when I finally saw it again uh, as a, an older adult. You know, through the the lens of of my age, I I fell in love with it, and and it is Eric. It is one of the five movies that I have 
ready to go at any time. Right. The, the Rocketeer, Casablanca, um, the Iron Giant, Captain America, the first Avenger. Those are like uh, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. Literally, those are movies that are sitting right beside my DVD and Blu-ray player ready to pop in at a moment's notice. You mentioned Captain America, the first Avenger. What, yes. did, what did that movie have in common with The Rocketeer? They were both directed by Joe Johnson. There you go. And the who th- yes. also was one of the uh, production team leaders with uh, Steven Spielberg on the Indiana Jones saga. Exactly. And the question, I mean, the, the question that a lot of us have is that, I mean, what, what happened? What's the disconnect? And the thing is, is that you look, you look at Captain America, the first adventure, obviously had a big, huge Marvel budget. And I would argue or debate, I, I would almost say that uh, Captain America is, um, it's probably one of the, the best Marvel movies ever made. Um, I think it's, I think for me personally, in my heart, excluding the Avenger films, um, I think it's, I think it's almost as good as the original Iron Man. Well, I, I think it's better. You do. Personally. You do. That's, that's because I am a Captain America fan to begin with. Um, and, and it is so true to the source material that it's, it's great. And Joe Johnson did such a beautiful job of capturing the era, the style, the aesthetics, the attitude, blending the retro future technology. I mean, it is, to me, second to Sky Captain as a quintessential diesel punk film. And it is another one that I think you really can hand to someone and say, here, watch this, and you'll get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it is my sentimental favorite of the Marvel movies, my favorite, the one that I think is the gold standard, is another Captain America movie, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Not not only is that maybe the most superior comic book movie ever made, it's just a dang good movie, period. Yeah. I think that there is going to come a time in the not-too-distant future where we're going to have to go through all of Joe Johnson's uh, uh, movies and talk about you know how he ha- had how he has become the one of the quintessential um, diesel punk directors. So, so if we can move off of movies for a second, I want to ask you: Can you talk about what's going on in the world of diesel punk in your neighborhood? And then I'll get to 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 my tale of of what's going on in in this region. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear some of your adventures. Okay, because uh, you've kind of uh, crossed over into enemy territory. I say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, so, you know, for those of you who haven't been watching uh, my Facebook posts or haven't been listening to my solo episodes of the podcast, you may, may not know that I recently sold my house of 16 years. We spent the last five months in an apartment while we were building a new house, and we have since moved into that new house. And uh, I am broadcasting from my new study slash broadcast studio. It's uh, not fully furnished yet. I've got my my broadcast desk and a lamp, and that's about it. Uh, But um, so I've been really busy with that. But there was 
a secret that I was holding on to that I wasn't I wasn't able to tell anyone about. And I can finally talk about it. And that is a project here in Nashville that I am a part of called House of Cards. Now, this is not the Netflix series. This is a venue. This is a restaurant, bar, and theater that is magic, not just themed, magic dedicated. And they have modeled the entire, the entire space after a 1930s speakeasy. You go down a stairway, this kind of <clears throat> carved out, it has this carved out feeling like it was, you know, just carved out of the stone, but it's hidden behind a nondescript door to the left of a nondescript stairwell. And if you don't know it's there, you don't know it's there. And it's, uh, for diesel punk, it's great because not only did they nail the aesthetics, all of the furniture is authentic. All of the decor is authentic. And and most of the decor is magic broadsides, uh, posters. And they are the real posters. They did not get reproductions or prints. They went out and spent millions of dollars just on the decor in this place. But it has that old school, that diesel era, jazz age, speakeasy feel from the minute you walk in. And what makes it so spectacular, Eric, is there's a dress code. No. Yes. That is, see, that, Men, that, that's it. That's it. That's for me. That is exactly what we need. That is exactly what yes. we need. Men have to wear a jacket and a collared shirt. Um, women, he, he, he didn't go quite far enough to require women to wear skirts or dresses. But when you read the dress code online, it's business professional. Yeah. So um, most women coming in are wearing dresses. Um, and I absolutely love that. I love that, you know, the dress code alone is going to keep out the riffraff. Yeah. But the dress code helps set the tone and the mood for this jazz age speakeasy feel. Yeah. And that's how all of the media in Nashville are describing this place um, as a speakeasy. Um, they've got jazz music playing overhead. They've got... Um, all of, all, oh my gosh, Eric, all of the, the jiggers and the cocktail shakers are gold-plated. So obviously money was, was very well spent. Yeah, oh, it was. And, and they've, got this, they've got this device. I don't even know how this works. But there's a, there's a specific drink you order. It's in a brandy, uh, brandy snifter. Um, when, you, when you order it on the rocks, they have a, a machine that stamps the logo of the venue into the ice. <laughs> it's not part of the ice mold. It's a stamp and it like instantly carves out their logo. That's, that's in, incredible. In relief. I don't know how they do it, but it's, it's so opulent. It's so extravagant. 
the the women's restroom, the entire ceiling is painted with gold leaf paint. The 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 restroom fixtures are gold plated. Um, they've got an entire lounge that's about as big as my office. Yeah, just just for women to you know get away, sit in the lounge <laughs> yeah. off off the restroom. Um, and it's a, it's a powder room is what it is. I guess that's the right terminology for it. I mean, Eric, this this place, pictures online don't do it justice. My descriptions don't do it justice. This is something you guys have to experience. And you have to have reservations for dinner. Everyone who, uh, you know, makes a reservation for dinner gets a, a, um, a ticket to the showroom. There's a 50-seat theater that uh, they do a, a stage show every, like six times a night. And then there are two stations, a small parlor area um, that's, that's a close-up parlor. And then there's another like alcove um, that seats just a few people um, for close-up magicians. And, uh, you know, there's no, none of this, you know, strolling to the tables and asking people if they want to see something. Uh, they have to come to you. So, you know, they, they sit down, they order their meal. While it's you know being prepared, they t- bring their cocktail or whatever over to one of the the performance areas and see some amazing sleight of hand. You know, witness the impossible. They go back and they have a world class five star dinner. And when I say five star, they 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 stole the exec- executive chefs from several of the best restaurants in town. And um, the the cheapest plate. A salad starts at twenty eight dollars. This better be and, this. This sounds like it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really it, does. It's, it's unbelievable, and um, it, it, you know, you don't have to have reservations to come into the bar. You know, anyone can come to the bar. Um, you just have to meet the dress code. Um, so you can come to the bar, have some drinks. You can wander over to the close up magic areas and enjoy some magic. You can go out to the patio. They have this patio and, you know, downtown Nashville is pretty noisy because there's 500 venues with live music up and down Music Row. So they built this patio behind behind um, sound reinforced walls, but they have a, a, a water wall, a waterfall. And that waterfall with the their own jazz playlist and, and the way they've built the soundproof walls drowns out the rest of the sound of Nashville. So you're outside, but you never feel like you've left 1930s wherever you are. And they've got this amazing humidor. You grab a cigar, go out to the patio, enjoy cigar, brandy. Uh, they've got a seance room where Blackstone, the, the world famous diesel era magician, comes back to tell fortunes and, uh, you know, read minds. And it's just, it's phenomenal. You know what? It sounds like the exact opposite of my experience for the past, (laughs) for the past month. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been reading your posts and I've been reading your blogs. And I think the overwhelming emotion that comes through to me, because I know you, is frustration. Yes, I cannot um, state enough. Uh, there's a couple of things that are going on. 
behind the scenes and we're we're obviously talking about the um the uh the steampunk convention that is happening at the radisson hotel at Piscataway, new jersey uh may 4th through 6th i believe i think that those are the dates it's absolutely happening the problem with what's happening is who's running it or who's not running it and this has been going on back and forth for since mid-January or or late January, uh, and the thing is, is I'm not I'm not going to give any energy to the former showrunner and mention his name at all, other than the fact that this is a chaotic mess. This is exactly how you do not run a convention. This is not how you run an event, and there's a lot of questions that are left uh, open-ended. Like what happened to this, that, and the other thing, and there is a fight going on between who gets to actually run the convention, and is it going to be the group group A or group B? And keep in mind that group B is exactly just like group A, except it doesn't have its founder, and for good reason. The other issue here is that because of the fighting that has been going on, as of April second. Both of these corporations, companies, cabals, um, steam cult mafia groups, whatever you want to call them, they were in default. So the the venue, the Radisson Piscataway, um, the they actually now own the event. Nobody owns the event except for the hotel because, like I said, they're in default. They did not reach any of their milestones. They didn't reach any of their... Uh, benchmarks that they were supposed to with all of their deposits and all of their commitments the event fell through and the hotel manager his name is Sonny I don't know his last name um, he said we're having the event it's going to be a community run event with the exception the the entire retro community is welcome not just steampunk that's that's the thing everybody within the retro centric community in the Northeast is welcome, with the exception of the people who were supposed to run it, who weren't able to run it because of whatever infighting and accusations. Uh, some other things that I was involved, I was dragged into this. My name was dragged into this. I had nothing to do with this until somebody had said, hey, I heard you're going to do a podcast with this guy. What the hell's wrong with you? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was dragged into it. Your name was also brought into this as well, John. Somebody had said, yeah, you and John are going to do a podcast with this guy and you're going to explain everything. Why would you do that, knowing what you know? And after some digging and after some asking some questions, you know, somebody lied and said that we were involved in something that we weren't. And you didn't even know about it until Shocking. now. Shocking. What? Shocking. Shocking. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. All right. Yeah, it's shocking that someone would lie. Isn't it, though? And when you find out about this person who actually lied, one of the things that has come out in the past couple of weeks or the past couple of months, this has been going on a lot, John. This is this has been going on a lot. And the thing is, is that I originally I was I was only going to cover this event. And one of the things I thought is really also shocking is everybody's willingness to talk, people's willingness to share things. Um, <laughs> there's no such thing as discretion anymore. There's no such thing. It's Nobody can keep a secret. No, and loose lips are rampant. Absolutely. 
Um, the one thing that I will tell you, the only positive thing that I think that we can get out of this entire conversation with what is going to be happening in Piscataway, New Jersey, May 4th through the 6th, is that this is a brand new group of people who is who are running this event. It, it, it's, it started out as a steampunk event. Now it's just no holds barred. Um, retro, everything, everything retro. It's pr- it's probably going to be a retro centric, diesel punk, steampunk um, event in in this region. Um, and the thing is, is that a lot of people who and I actually interviewed them, them for an earlier uh, episode of the podcast is that they are adamant that this is going to be, this is a a family run event. This is going to be something that everybody can bring their kids to. Um, which was not true with the other with the earlier incarnation of the event, and I think that that was, I think that's what really upset people the most is that they were bringing their kids to these events and it was not family friendly, if you know what I mean. Um, I I know exactly what you mean. Yes. How much do we say, John? How what what do we say? Because there's so much to say, but we just don't know how much we can say and not say, and it's driving me crazy for not spilling the beans. Well, I don't I don't have a good answer for that either. Um, I think what is important to know is that neither one of us are involved in the planning of this event. No, we're not officially connected in any way, shape, or form. We had initially approached them about covering it yep um another party had approached us about promoting it yep um and um you know along the way uh you know the players have changed they've morphed they've been revealed or concealed and uh you know as you said it's kind of chaotic and you know quite honestly i i don't know that we could I think we 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 are going to cover it. Yes, we're not involved with it. We're not, you know, connected with the parties that have uh, have dropped the ball, blundered, maybe even committed some criminal acts. Yes, can can um, we can we talk about that for a minute though? Sh- sure. Okay. Now, of course, all of this is all alleged. This is there is some alleged behavior that I I I, I personally I feel bad about. I feel bad about this because in, in years past, I have encouraged people to go to this specific event in Piscataway, New Jersey for steampunks. And if I had known what it had, what was actually happening, I never would have asked people to go. I never would have encouraged people to go to this at all. If by any chance people went to this event and they got hurt, I don't think I would ever be able to forgive myself. Knowing full well that there were people out there who were abusing some of the attendees behind the scenes is despicable and deplorable. What also disgusts me is that there were people who were told not to say anything, not to go to the police. And people have actually been threatened. If you tell the police about what happened here at this convention, we will spill the beans about everything, every aspect of your personal life. That's pretty bad. Also, to find out that there are other people who also wanted to do similar venues in the same area, and they had been warned, no, because the thing is, I'm in charge. I'm the boss here. Uh, no, you're not. You're not going to allow it. And if you show up to other people's events, you're going to be blackballed from my event. It was supposed to be the biggest event in the region, and the people behind. It was not just one person who was who was behind all of this. 
There's a small group of people and they knew what was going on behind the scenes and they lied about it. They knew that there was there was abuses going on behind the scenes and they lied about it. And there are people who are lying to this day and saying, oh, I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know anything. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was living here and I was a part of the company, but I was here in, in Connecticut. How was I supposed to know? Let me, let me ask you something. How is it that somebody who lives in the middle of a field that's in the middle of a forest in the middle of New England knows about it, but you didn't know? What does that say? What does it say that, that, that these people who ran this event didn't know? I knew. I've heard, I've heard about it for almost a year and a half now. And on top of that, people volunteered information to me when I, when I first started doing Women of Retro Punk. And I interviewed a, a couple of, of, of people. Everybody here on the East Coast has a story about this creepy dude who did creepy things. And this is all alleged. But the thing is, is that if somebody says, hey, you know what? I think that Eric Fisk, I think he's got a thing for Diesel Punk. I always see him wearing a fedora. And then another people says, hey, I think this guy, Eric, he has a thing. After a while, when you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again, you pretty much have... You pretty much have it all laid out that this person is actually what these people say that this person is. And the thing is, is that now I'm starting to hear stories that this has gone on from like more than eight or nine years, 10 years. And the people who say that they didn't know, didn't know. How could you not know if you worked in this corporation, this company for so long? So I think that there's going to be some things that are going to come out and there's going to be some people who are going to spill the beans. They're going to tell their version of the story. And these people better be careful because they might actually indict themselves because some other bad things are coming down the pike. And I think that the the things that are going to come down the pike are from the good guys. I think the good guys are going to finally step in and ask questions. What the hell happened? How didn't you not know? Um, And I think that the people who are running this event in uh, Piscataway at the Radisson, um, I think that this new group, they have committed themselves and they have said that the old group the old groups are not in charge anymore. They're not, they are not, they're not even welcome. They're banned from the door. They're not allowed in the door. They're not allowed on the premise. I think that these people deserve a break. I think that these, these new people who are running this event, I think that they deserve at least a chance, a shot. Um, but I'm upset. I'm upset that this was allowed to go on as long as it did. And I'm uh, embarrassed and I'm shocked that somebody would actually try and attach our good name to it to try and cover what they've done and trying to use us as human shields. And um, I'm done. I'm done with that person. And uh, well, um, it it actually explains a lot, Eric, um, in some of our conversations about some other cons that we've met some resistance from. and all, all I'm going to say is that because I don't want to mention names, I don't want to give advertising to, to the name, but he is it is a he he is probably the biggest, most well-known producer of retro geek culture events in in the country. Um, you all know his name. He's he's a big deal because he's been a bully. He's been an absolute bully in the community for years and years and years. And Eric, that's why none of this has come out until now, because he's been able to successfully bully people into towing his line. 
And I know some celebrities have been kind of brainwashed, drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know if, uh, you know, a particular fetish model is standing behind this individual or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And um, just uh, if anyone hears our names being connected with something that sounds a little bit fishy, let us know because it ain't true. I can tell you the events that I'm a part of and that I work on. I work for Comic City Conventions, Hypericon, Rathicon, and Imaginarium. That's it. And um, the uh, the other gentleman, JME, <laughs> is uh, not someone I or Eric are affiliated with. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's really sort of all we can say. And the thing is, is that... Uh, you know, just watch the pages. And and the thing is, is that um, um, Phoebe over at the Steampunk Journal has been doing an amazing job with her staff covering this event. I think that um, because and I've, I've worked with Phoebe and um, I think that she is a phenomenal person. And I think that she is actually um, um, on the journalist side of things. I think that she is doing a phenomenal job covering all aspects of this. And, um, you know, and the thing is, is, is that uh, and, uh, there's also a lot of other groups out there that are doing their best to help out and pitch in and turn this turn this ship around. Um, and, and they're good friends of mine. And um, we're just going to see what happens and just leave it at that for tonight. Unless you have anything yeah. more to say. Well, no, I, I really don't. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on, a lot of new media coming out, a uh, lot of cool stuff with Wild Skies, House of Cards. And um, as you promoted, we, we want to support the, the good guys with this uh, this convention. Pronounce it for me again, because I, I can't never get this right. Right now, the, this convention that is that is being held is, is called and right now it's being called Steampunk Piscataway. 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 Um, yeah, all right. It's steampunk Piscataway, because it's Piscataway, New Jersey. Um, sure. P- by the time that this episode airs, they will probably have a new name for it. It could be called the Cogs Expo, which I think is also a good name. Um, that's because they're having a poll, and, and that's and that's what uh, that's what's the name that is the runaway hit. Um but uh, I, I'm 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 going to be going and I'm going to be covering it as an independent journalist, um, and I'm going to report what I see and let the cards follow where they may. So, Sounds cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I get to go back to actually doing real journalism for a change. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, actually going to see what's going on at the scene and cover it because my sons are now of age. Um, Whereas is like if they want to come, they can come. If not, they can they can they can stay home. But the thing is, is that uh, it's uh, it's it's now time for me to sort of like it's time for me to sort of spread my wings again and see what happens. Not that the kids are old enough. So um, and we also have some other exciting things going on in the media, which sort of it doesn't doesn't have anything like the new Solo movie, um, Solo, a Star Wars movie that's coming out. And the thing is, is that after we see that, we're going to have a nice debate about whether or not it's diesel punk. Um, we will. We will. 
Um, actually, you know, not diesel punk, but but uh, still good stuff. There's there's a lot of good stuff coming out. I just saw Pacific Rim, which was phenomenal. Tomorrow night, I'm seeing Ready Player One. Yeah. Next Tuesday, I have uh, media passes for Rampage. Then Solo. Well, then Avengers. Yeah. Infinity War. Then Solo, and later on this year, the uh, next Fantastic Beasts installment. And there's a bunch of other stuff. I can't even think of everything. This is a good year to be a movie pass member. Yeah, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. We're just we're just fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. love for you to be a sponsor, movie pass. Yeah. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. As much as I promote you to my friends and family, I ought to be getting a cut. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Just sponsor the I, show. Just sponsor the yeah, show. Yeah. I, th- I think that um, one of the exciting things is is that there's also a lot of great stuff that's also coming to video. If you haven't had a chance, um, uh, Shape of Water, is uh, that's, that's out on video now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I picked up the Blu-ray of that two weeks ago. All right. Yep. Yeah. I don't watch it with the kids around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends. How old, how old do the kids need to be to see the movie, Johnny? It's a rated R movie. Yeah. Depends on how comfortable you are with your seventeen-year-old uh, seeing repeated nudity. Yeah, yeah. I'm not complaining about that nudity. It was rather refreshing, actually. But you know, not necessarily what I would choose for my children to see. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's what I am looking forward to. And uh, and another thing is that. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, the next I think we need to keep this uh, in our pocket for the next show. Talk about uh, electro swing and a couple of um, electro swing uh, artists that I've discovered and rediscovered. That's going to be a topic for a future show. Well, you know what we need to do? Uh, we need to have our very own DJ Swag Commander who does the uh, our Diesel Punk retrocasts for the Diesel Punk podcast. Have him come on and... Uh, join that conversation he is the electro swing expert yeah have him on the show yeah yeah that would be great yeah so that i think that that's it john uh if there's anything else let me know but i think that that's i think that we're gonna call it a night sounds good to me brother all right you want to take us out yeah as always on behalf of eric fisk the fedora chronicles the diesel punk podcast This is Johnny saying swing hard, swing often, and we'll catch you on the flip side. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk Podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats, and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk, signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on.